0: listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. We're talking about prayer this morning. As we're concluding the section in the letter from Paul to the Ephesians, about the armor of God. Now, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the armor. And and, and we're talking about spiritual armor that God provides to followers of Jesus, those who by faith know Jesus Christ as Savior, those who have uh, trusted in His finished work, His death, His resurrection, in our place, For our sin, God's answer to our greatest need that we would never be able to fix or address. God has met it through Jesus, and so now we are, if by faith we've trusted Jesus, a part of God's family. Through the letter of the Ephesians, we've learned that God has provided all the spiritual benefits and blessings that we need to do and to be everything that God has called His children to do and to be. You know, what has He called us to do and to be? He's called us to be representatives of Jesus. He's called us to allow the Holy Spirit to push the life of Jesus out in our life so that the things we do and say and think and respond sound more and look more like Jesus than it looks like us in our old natural way of living. And so God has called us just to represent Jesus. Just follow Him and communicate the good news about Him to those that we come into contact with. That's what we've, called to be, and we've been called to be and to do. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you know as good as well as I do that that is not easy. In fact, we find ourselves failing at that at every turn if we are attempting it in our own strength. That's why God says, don't do it in your own strength I've provided everything you need. He called it spiritual blessings in high places. Chapter 1 of the letter to the Ephesians. I've provided everything you need to do what you've been called to, to do and to be. And then we come to the conclusion of the letter and Paul says, And by the way, you have a very powerful enemy who is turning all of his devices and schemes at you, trying his best to knock you off the path that I've called you to. And if you allow him to, he will entice you through your old way of thinking, through your old lusts and thoughts and all. He'll entice you away and draw you away from fellowship with me. And he won't draw you out of the family, but he will draw you out of fellowship, out of obedience, and this powerful, arm, uh, powerful enemy must be resisted. So Paul says that God has called us to stand against this enemy. Not rally together and advance against this enemy. No, just stand the ground that God has given us as his children. God's already won the war. God's already won and is victorious. He's called us to stand in resistance against this powerful enemy. We've talked about the armor and and we fleshed it out in terms of the Roman soldier's armor. The first thing he puts on is that girdle type belt that protected his midsection and his groin area and down below his legs and we called what Paul called that the belt of truth. The first thing we put on is truth because everything else is going to be connected to that. And it's not just truth statements that we believe. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've all confessed truth statements about God, about Christ, about the Holy Spirit. You've already said that it's not about what you say. It's about the impact truth has on your life. Is truth the directional guide of your life. And what is truth? It is God's word. What God has said and revealed must be what leads us. That's why it's very important when it comes to doctrine that that on the essentials of the Christian faith, we need to be very grounded and solid on because those cannot be deviated from. When it comes to the things that, that are debatable, the secondary issues, they're not unimportant, they're just not as essential. Well, there's grace and there's, there, there's love in that arena that we allow folks to sort of uh, breathe a little bit as they're trying to follow Christ and understand God's Word. But in the essentials, we've got to be grounded. We've got to be solid. We've got to be unmovable. And then those truths have to be what motivates and dictates our life. And then We put on the next piece of armor, the breastplate of righteousness. Not just Jesus' righteousness in our life. It is ours by God's imputation. God gives us the righteousness of Christ when we, by faith, are born and adopted into His family. We have the righteousness of Christ, but I don't think that's what Paul's talking about. I think Paul's talking about the righteousness of Christ being obediently lived out in us those righteous acts and thoughts. And and, and when the Spirit is pushing the life of Christ out in our life, then that righteousness is going to begin to be displayed in our life. Not just resident within us, but displayed through us. And I think that's what Paul is saying, that we need to put that breastplate on of the righteousness being lived out by the by the work of the Spirit in our life and then on top of that we put on the shoes of peace that we have through the gospel those cleated sandals heavy sandals that wrap up the halfway up of our calf and, and we're able to stand steady We're able to be uh, at peace with God, knowing that through the gospel, that is, Jesus Christ has taken our sin, our debt, and has paid it in full, and now we've been reconciled with God. We stand rightly before Him, then we can dig ourselves in and stand against this enemy. Then we're to take up the shield of faith, That shield that is to block those schemes and arrows and attacks of the enemy. And through faith, putting to work what God has said and trusting what He has said over all that we can see, over anything that we experience, over anything we feel. We're holding faith and trust in Christ. And those darts are deflected and diffused when by faith... We walk and hold that armor steady. And then we're to take the helmet of our salvation, place it on our head, remembering that, yes, we are saved by grace through faith, and, yes, we are being saved as God's work is continuing in our life, But ultimately, in this battle, standing against that powerful enemy, we've got to remember that our salvation that has been established and is being established is going to be fulfilled. We call it our hope of eternal salvation. It's not, I sure do hope I make it. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus right now, and in the deep of your heart you're saying, boy, I hope that I'm in the family. Well, then then you don't have it. Because it ain't about hoping so. The hope of Scripture is confident assurance in what I can't see and not about what I feel, but about what He has said that all who come and confess will be saved. Christ as Lord through His death and resurrection. I put the helmet of salvation on reminding myself that this battle, while hot and heavy and quite possibly could take my arm, my leg, my life, so be it. I'm secure in Him. As sure as His resurrection was, so too is mine. And we stand, not in fear, but in confidence. And then that last piece, which... Zachary Shannon, thank you so much. Your dad told me. Michael texted me last week and said, Zach, come. Of course, Zach, this might just be, your daddy might just been fibbing and attached it to your name. I don't know. Michael texted me last week and said, Zachary's take-home point last week was Pastor Kevin taught us how to shank somebody. And that's not what I did. (laughs) That is not what I did. I said, take up. The Sword of the spirit by which we can jet, but I guess that does kind of look like a shame i'm sorry. The only offensive weapon we have is the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. And we talked about speaking the truths of God's Word into the battle that is spiritual. It looks like the person in the cubicle next to us, but that is not our battle. The battle is spiritual. And when we utilize the Word of God, when we stand in resistance against the enemy, through God's Word, then the enemy must flee. We see that example in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 when Jesus counterattacked the enemy not with the majesty of his infinite power, but through the double edged sword of God's Word because he knew the enemy could not stand in opposition to what God has. Said. And so we put on the armor so that we might stand against the enemy side by side with brothers and sisters with a little bit of smirk on the side of our face knowing that they cannot win. They're already defeated. But holding one another in check and reminding one another to pick up your shirt, get your helmet on. Hey, your breastplate is back two years ago. Get back there and find it and put it on and start living it because we've got a battle to stand against. Already won, but one in which we must be obedient. And then Paul introduces the last thing it's the battle strategy. With all of the armor on, we won't know what to do with it apart from a strategy. We're a follower of a particular college football team that started playing last uh, yesterday and didn't look real great. But <clears throat> I I'll, I'll digress. One of the things that has always been... Con- I don't see those Kims in the back doing this. I don't recognize that. <laughs> That's heresy, Kim. Get behind me, say. One of the funny things that our family has always thought was comical was the team gets up to the line, and you think they're ready, and they're, they're, they're all settled, and then all of a sudden... They all stand up and look to the sideline. It's, it's in unison. They come out of the huddle, and you're thinking, all right, in the huddle is where they're getting it together, right? They're coming up. with. I, I think they got stuff in their helmets that they can hear and all this kind of stuff, and they're getting it together in the huddle. Okay, we're ready to go, ready, break. And, you know, we do that every week. We get it together, and we come together, and we huddle up, right? It, that's, we're huddling up. We get it together. Ready, break. And then we get out there, and we get settled, and then the team, almost in unison, would look up and look to the side. And they would all look, and something's happening on the sidelines, and, all, and then they all turn. What is it that's happening on the sidelines over here? Well, they've got... Players holding up signs that don't make sense to any of us because we don't know the lingo that they're using. Holding up signs, and and, and they're communicating to the team the wishes of the coaches. The coaches have decided what they want, and we look to the coaches, and then once we know what they want, then we come back and we attempt to execute what they have asked. Now, the team that is not interested in what the coach wants done is going to lose. They may be some of the most talented kids on the face of the planet. They may have some of the best skills known to the modern world, but if they're not following the plan of the coach, They are going to, you've watched it time and time again. A particular player puts the team on his back, on her back, and and you watch, and the announcers are going, they're trying to do too much. They're trying to do too much, and it's costing their team. A soldier who is well-trained, and put in in, in the position to be successful in the battlefield, is not taken to battle and pushed out of the truck and have his superior officer say, good luck, you know what to do. It doesn't work that way. On the battlefield are well-trained and well-prepared soldiers, but what is needed is communication from the leaders. Where do we advance? Where do we hunker down? Where are we and how are we? And what is the plan? And those soldiers that will be successful will be connected to the leadership. Now, I know what you're saying is, in both of those examples, what if it's a bad coach? What if it's a bad leader on the battlefield? And you know what? That's why all human illustrations break down because our coach has never failed. Our battlefield leader has never lost a battle. With confidence, we can look to Him and know what is His will and His desire so that we might be successful, yes, in standing against the enemy, of course, but ultimately in bringing Him glory. And our getting that information from Him is what Paul calls prayer. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. If you have your Bibles, you can turn. It's also on Version in the live events. It's on our church app. Some of you didn't know we had a church app. It's on there, and it will also be on the screen, I believe. Paul says in verse number 18, after putting on the whole armor of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me, In opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul uses the word all four times. And so we're going to let those, those words all just kind of guide our thoughts this morning. I see him tell us with this word all, that we're to be praying at all times. I see him saying that we're to pray with all prayer and supplication. I see that we're to pray with all perseverance. And I see, lastly, that we're to pray for all the saints. So let's unpack this. What is Paul telling us about the importance and the necessity of prayer in the life of the Christian? First, he says, Praying at all times in the Spirit. To pray at all times maybe causes you, in your mind, to go to 1 Thessalonians five seventeen, where Paul tells the Thessalonian believers that they are to pray without ceasing. Now maybe that's where it goes to your mind. And so you've, you've thought, if you've been around the Scripture at all, you, you've thought about, well, how, how is that possible? How can I be praying without Without ceasing. It's because in our minds we are too rooted in the the physical position of prayer, heads bowed, eyes closed, kneeling or laying. We're too associated with that as a closed mind. When Paul talks about praying without ceasing, when Paul tells us that we're to be praying at all times, what he's saying, I believe, is that we are to live in continual awareness of God, His will, and our response to Him. Meaning living every moment, meaning living in every encounter, consciously aware of God's presence, Constantly aware that there is a will of God in this situation, in this circumstance, in this encounter, and that me, as His child, am responsible for being obedient to Him. That He wants to use me no matter what I'm facing at that moment. It's a continually just living in a conscience awareness. Now, that is not something that comes... Naturally to you. I remember getting on the plane after uh, Stacy and I got married. We'd get on the plane, we're going on our honeymoon, and I just remember how strange it felt to have a ring on my finger. How, how weird, you know, and, I, and I, I looked over at her and I said, hey wife, you know, and it's kind of had that look of <laughs> and she looked at me and said, well, Hey, husband, you're weird. She says that a lot to me. But Anyway, the bottom line is it was new. It was strange. You know, it was something I, I understood the concept, but now that I'm in it, I'm kind of going, I don't know what's going on here. It's the same way with when we come to know Jesus, when we become a part of God's family, we, we, we might not really have a good... You know, bearing on what that means. Kind of like Bambi, learning how to walk. We're slipping, we're sliding. But as we grow in our walk with Jesus, our fellowship with Him should come to a place where we just recognize and are aware of His presence. And are aware of his activity. And and even though I don't understand how this encounter, that person who is angry at me and calling me every name in the book and some, I'm going to have to go home and look up to even understand what they're saying. That God is going to use that encounter for his glory? you got to be walking with God or your mind to go there and not here. But Paul says if we get into the, if I can say, habit of just being aware and walking in God's presence, that is the battle strategy for standing successfully against the enemy and with my brothers and sisters. Praying at all times. But he goes on and says, in the Spirit. Praying at all times in the Spirit. I know that that phrase, in the Spirit, is used by a lot of folks in a lot of ways. But I'm going to tell you what I think He means by praying in the Spirit. He's already told us that we are indwelt by the Spirit. We are sealed by the Spirit. In Ephesians uh, 4.30, he tells us that we're to uh, be filled with the Spirit, meaning we, we are to give Him control of our life. It, it's not just handing the reins to God of our life. It's not that. Remember when we talked about it? It's handing God the reins to my life, and then climbing over into the buggy and just riding and letting God lead so that what He says is what I do. Where He goes is where I go. It's not about me. It's about Him. And and, and I'm thinking about another passage in uh, Galatians chapter number 25. You know, we study the book of Galatians where He says that if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, so I think that praying in the Spirit is allowing that communion with God to be more about what is it, God, you want us to talk about, including the Spirit with the Father and the Son, instead of me just relying on what I think and what I want, but rather submitting that conversation to him. Now, every commentator that I read on this particular verse went back to another couple of verses in the book of Romans. Let's look at it. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Paul says this. He says, likewise, the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now, any weakness followers of Jesus in the house today anybody say I'm a follower of Jesus but boy am I weak okay amen your hand should be up okay he says he helps us in our weakness for we don't know what to pray as we ought I mean think about it when we come to the infinite powerful God in prayer we don't know what to pray about I mean we know what we think We know what we want. We sure know what we want Him to fix. We sure know what we don't like, that we want Him to change. But ultimately, we don't know His mind. So we're just kind of coming to God who knows all and is in all and is is going to bring His plan to completion. And we go, I don't know what to say. And Paul says, I got good news for you. You have the person of the Holy Spirit who, by the way, is who? God, Father, Son, Holy Spirits, three persons, one God. You have the Holy Spirit resident within you. Of course you don't know how to pray as you ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep, Words. Now, Paul has used this idea of groanings in the verses ahead. Okay? When he talked about groanings, he talked first about the the creation groaning. Why? Because it's corrupted by sin and it just wants God to fix it. The creation does. And God says, I got it. I'm bringing it to completion. That's what the kingdom's all about. And he talks about our groanings, just wishing that we could somehow get some relief from this struggle that we have with sin and aggravation and the old me. And there's hope for that because when christ returns he's going to bring all that to completion and now he talks about groanings and i don't know that it's a direct parallel in fact i don't think it is but i think he's capitalizing on this idea of uh, uh, and then now it's a groaning that actually is in communion with god you don't get it because you ain't god and neither am i but that's okay Because when we come to our great Father bringing our petitions and and our thoughts and and our longings and and, and the things that that we're just overwhelmed by, Paul goes, don't worry when you don't know what you're saying and how to say it. you got the Holy Spirit who is God. God and He intercedes on your behalf, not making fun of you. But can you imagine? Just let your imagination go to where it is the the Spirit of God, infinite, the Father, infinite, the Son, and then you and me, these little weakling nothings just coming before God saying, blah, 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 blah. And the Spirit goes... Let me tell you what he wants, what he needs. And he speaks on our behalf. I, I know. I imagine, I not, it ain't this way, but but just loved up against. Kind of like a daddy does when, when the kid goes to the ice cream store. And kid don't know really know how to talk. And, and and the kid goes up and holds himself up by the thing. And the guy says, what do you want, little guy? And he's like, dad, you get your back. Damn you right now. And dad goes, he'll take one scoop of chocolate in a cup with sprinkles. And what happens when the kid gets, he's like, that's it, dad. You know me. The Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. We come before God, and then God takes what we don't know, and he converts it into what God does know and intend to do. Dad, I, that's awesome. But he tells us to pray in the Spirit. We have a responsibility in that. Not, not what God's responsibility is. Our responsibility, surrender life, walking in step, allowing Him to lead, coming with our prayer. All right, spent way too much time on the first one. So praying at all times, guided by, fueled by, powered by, translated by the Spirit. Number two, with all prayer and supplication, he says. Praying at all times in Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Prayers is a word that just generally means that. It's petitions, it's... Praying. it's what Eugene did it's what maybe you guys do at mealtime it's what we, it's just with all prayers and and then he goes on to say and with supplication supplication's a different word supplication means a, a specific calculated targeted need that is that is personal and direct Paul says pray at all times with with all your normal prayers in the Spirit, and with all of the things that you're bringing with urgency. And you're going, God, please move in this. And sometimes we're going, God, please... Can I give you a a particularly uh, contemporary example? Some of you may be praying right now, God, please let, you fill in the blank, be elected this year. Because if you fill in the blank, isn't elected this year, God, we're in the toilet. And you know what the Spirit does? He goes, I got this, buddy. Father, what He's really saying is that He wants you to be His source of peace, He wants to trust you above all and any other earthly authority. And so ultimately what he's asking is that you would draw him deeply. You would draw her deeply into yourself where that no matter who gets elected in any election, they say, my calling is sure, my hope is certain, and my job ain't changed. That's what he really wants. And we walk away from, I know God's going to answer my prayer. Yes, He is. Bring them all. With all prayer and supplication. You know, Jesus modeled bringing prayer. Here's how I think. I would think that God the Son, co-equal with the Father and the Spirit, not the same as the Father and the Spirit, Uniquely distinct, yet the second person of a three-person, one God. Don't get it, just believe it. I would think that on the earth, if anybody didn't need to pray, it would be Jesus. Because he, he is God, right? But what did He do time and time and time again? Hebrews 5, 7. And, and you don't have these. I'm just going to read these through and just give you an example of what Jesus did. The, the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 5, 7 says, In the days of His flesh, meaning when He lived on this earth, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries. You ever cried out to God in prayer? Have you ever wept before God in prayer? So did your Lord. It goes on to say with loud cries and tears to Him who was able to save Him from death and He was heard because of His reverence. Jesus came before the Father. That living example of complete and total dependence on my God. Matthew 14, 23, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. I think he was by himself, not because he said, y'all stay down here. I think he was by himself because everybody else was busy with other stuff and Jesus just went to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Mark one thirty-five. and rising early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Mark 4, 6.46, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. Luke 5.16, but he would withdraw himself to desolate places. Luke would say, it was kind of his habit. He would just kind of... He would just be gone, and we would be looking around going, where was Jesus? And he was just in a a solitude to pray. Luke 6, 12, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. John 17, I would encourage you to read that whole chapter when you get home today. It's Jesus' high priestly prayer for, yes, His disciples, but for all who would believe the word of their testimony. As they went out obediently casting the gospel to any who would hear, those who would believe on the word of their testimony, Jesus prayed also for them. That they might be one, Father, as we are one. That they might find their identity in You. Hebrews 7.25 tells us that consequently, even after his earthly ministry, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. What is Jesus doing? While the Spirit is converting our weak prayers into the things that we need to the one who will provide, what is God the Son doing? He's praying for us, interceding on our behalf. Romans 8.34 echoes that again. Christ Jesus, the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed, don't mistake it, is interceding for us. What is Jesus praying for us? That we might know how equipped we are that we might be armored with the things that will protect, and that we might stand faithfully against and faithfully with, with confidence that it will not be lost waiting on His return for the glory of His name. That's what He's praying for us. That's what the Spirit is interceding on by our ha- And when we pray all the time, we're stepping into the arena of what God desires for us. When we pray in all supplication and all prayer, allowing the Spirit to guide and letting letting Him have, even as we're praying and we're thinking, that doesn't feel right, so God, just whatever I need, help me to change my mind about this. With all perseverance. Why do we need perseverance? I'm going to tell you why. You already know it. Because prayer is hard. Prayer is hard. Now, if by chance you say, well, not for me, Pastor Kevin. Prayer is a, you know, it's just part of my life and it's something that I'm really good at. Okay, I would chance that maybe you just think you're good at it. But prayer for me, can I just can I just be like I always tell y'all I'm one of y'all but but can I just do this? Because I need to. I, I need to confess to my brothers and sisters prayer is hard for me. I get distracted. I I I get I, I get tired How many times have I begun to pray and found myself asleep? You know, I want to say, I'm in good company because Peter and John and Jack, no, no, because Jesus came to them and goes, really, you can't pray with me one hour? He knew their weakness, yet he was saying, look, you stay awake for that you wanted to watch. And I did last night. As the lightning blew that leap. I was tired then, but you know what I didn't do? Sleep. Why? Because I was interested. Come on. all person. There's no time to lay down. There's no time for napping. There's no time for rocking back on our heels. And can I tell you, that is where the enemy attacks me the greatest. I, I'm not a man of consistent and powerful prayer. It's hard for me. I'm not a strong prayer warrior personally. I'm not a strong prayer warrior with my family. It's hard for me to pray with my wife. It's hard. I'd much rather just talk to her about things and truths of God's Word that I think she needs to hear. It's way harder for me to come with her in just humble dependence. It's hard. I'm afraid that our church is not a praying church because prayer is hard for me. But you know what? That's not okay. Because we can be all armored up. We can be all ready to go, but if we're not looking and listening to the leader, consistently, fervently, with perseverance then we are at best relying on our own strength. And you know what our own strength will net us? Absolutely nothing. Prayer is important. With all perseverance, because the enemy never takes a day off. The enemy will never celebrate a holiday and offer a ceasefire. The enemy will never say, you know, I know it's been a hard week for you. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna rein it back a little bit because I just want to play fair. It'll never happen. So Paul says, at all times, in all of your praying, in the spirit with perseverance. You got to keep going, keep going, keep going. You say, what do I do? Well, we got to get up and we got to start walking that direction. There's just no way around it. God's not going to sprinkle us with little spiritual pixie dust when all of a sudden, oh, it's, prayer's easy today. Good. Thanks, Pastor Kevin. I'm glad to get. Uh uh-uh. uh. You know what we got to do? i got, I got a wristband that I wear and hardly ever do. But here's what the wristband says. It says, starve your distractions. And the other wristband that I lost said, feed your faith. Look, if we're going to make prayer a part of our life, you and me, families, brothers and sisters, this church, then we're going to have to starve our distractions and we're going to have to manufacture time for it. We make time for everything else. Someone once said, you do what you want to do. That's unfortunately so true. Don't we? We do what we want to do. If we want to do it, now we might not get to do everything we want to do, but if it's in our power to do it and we want to, we do it. Prayer has got to become a want to. We got to stay at it. So, what do I do? Well, David made a statement in Psalm chapter number 55, verse 17. And this is what he said. He said, Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan. Mm -hmm. That may be what it starts out sounding like complaining and moaning. But remember, you got the spirit, converts that, says what needs to be said. In the evening, in the morning, and at noon, I bring my prayers to the Lord. And you know what he says after that? And he hears my voice. That'd be a great place for us to start. Like folks who say, Pastor, I've never given before. I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? I say, well, here's what I would recommend. Decide on a percentage of your income that you're going to commit to. To giving And this just begin giving that. And then just plan on increasing that as God increases in, in your life that you'll just continue to give and give cheerfully. I think the same thing has to be true in our prayer life. What do I do? Let's set some times. Let's set some appointments. And then let's keep them. Let's keep them. And morning, noon, and night would be a great place to start On our journey to, I'm just kind of always thinking about Him. And as much time as I can find, I spend communing with Him. He goes on with the last one. Not only praying at all times, with all prayer and supplication, with all perseverance. He says, for all the saints. See, we get so wrapped up in praying for our needs. We get so consumed by what's going on in our life. And, you know, what's going on in our life is important to God. Now, it's not bothering Him, okay? You know that. What's going on in our life that's causing you great stress and great anxiety, it's, He's fine. He's, he's in control. Now, He's not okay if you're the one causing your own unnecessary stress, He's not thrilled with that, but he's not overwhelmed at all, and he's not scratching his head going, how are we ever going to get out of this mess? Well, you really messed it up this time. I hope I can... No, God's in complete and utter peace in and of himself. We got to get ourselves untethered to ourselves so that we can bring prayer and supplication to those around us. To all the saints. You know, the saints that vote Republican. You can pray for them. You you know, the saints that vote Democrat. Oh, Pastor, you can't... Look, all the saints. All of them. The ones that speak your language. The ones on the other side of the world who know exactly what persecution feels like. The ones that have given all that they have in order to go to a people that they will never be accepted by in order to bring the good news. We need to be praying for them. Calling their name out. Going to war with them and for them. Well, what am I praying, Pastor? We're praying that their armor will be on. And it'll be latched together and that their feet will be sturdy and that their heart will be in tune with their Lord and that they'll be walking in fellowship with one another and where there's brokenness that they might be willing to extend and ask for forgiveness, that they might be walking in unity and they might be focused on the same goal and that we might not be distracted by all of the things that are going on around us and we might keep our feet to the fire even if the fire is underneath us that we might press on, press on, press on with confidence in the return of Christ with more of God's Word in my heart speaking the truth and being obedient knowing that everything we need to accomplish all that has already been provided by the One who saved us. We could start there praying for all the saints. And Paul made it very practical. And he says, "And when you're praying for all the saints, I want to ask, will you pray too for me? Wouldn't you think Paul's prayer request would have been, you know, I'm in prison and I'm waiting to see Caesar, so if you could pray that Caesar will give me a favorable outcome. okay? If you could pray that maybe... I could get upgraded to a better cell that maybe the soldiers, that these soldiers are kind of mean to me guys, so if you could pray that I could get a new regiment of soldiers that would be a little bit more, it's cold in here guys, if you could pray that the that the heat would start working better and that I could get, you know, I'm, I'm way down on the list to see Caesar, if you could pray that I would get moved up so that I could get out of here because I don't like being here, you would expect those things he's praying about. What's he say? Pray also for me, verse 19, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains and that I might declare it boldly as I ought to. He says, guys, while you're While you're on your knees, while you're contending for one another, while you're coming confidently before the throne of God, boldly knowing that you're in tune with Him and that He's doing for you what you need and you can stand firm and strong and you can be undistracted and you can be settled in your faith. Could you pray for me that I might have words to say and that it might be a Effective for the gospel. And then if you can give me boldness, pray that God will give me boldness to say it. You go, wait a minute. Paul does not sound like a mealy-mouthed, shy person. If you've read any of the book of Acts and any of his letters, he sounds like he doesn't need any kind of confidence. Confidence isn't what he needed. He was a man who wrestled with fear just like me and you. And he says, guys... I don't want to tuck tail and run. I I don't want to face opposition and cower. I don't want to be pride-filled, but I want to stand in the place of my Lord. And I want to speak boldly His truths. Come what may. For His glory and His glory alone. Can I just give you a little bit of a hint? Because I know some of you pray for me. Will you pray that God will give me words? His words and not mine. And will you pray that, that when it gets really hot and dangerous where we are, that I'll be at the front of the line that you won't have to come find me knocking on my door, dragging me out from up under my bed. But I'll be in front of the line with knees calloused, armor secure, confident in the one who's called us. That's what I need. And you know what? That's what we all need. It's hard where you work. It's hard where you live. It's hard where life happens for you to be bold for Christ. And it's our opportunity and responsibility to hold one another up. God, strengthen them. Think about the kids right now. They're going to public school in Polk County. That at times can be war. They need our prayer. So on Wednesday night, you might not be a part of youth group. You might not have been a part of youth group for the last Four decades, and you might be happy about that. I'm I'm talking for you too. Wednesday nights from six-ish to about eight, we got over 50 teenagers in this room who are going to war the likes we've never experienced. That'd be a great time for those that aren't here to spend a little time in perseverance knowing that they're all here listening to this old guy that they have to listen to on Sundays too, that they might hear words that instill confidence, not not in that man, but in that man's God. And that they might stand in ways that we never did. And you know what? i got no problems at all taking a cue from a teenager who's willing to be bold and stand. If that's what it takes, then I'll follow in behind them. With all perseverance, with all the prayer, at all times for one another. So let's be honest. We've talked a lot about prayer. Let's be honest right where we're at. Not not judging. Not trying to make anybody feel better. Let's Let's just be honest, can we? How's your personal prayer life? non existent occasional not not really anything other than just a routine let's just, just let's just let's just get the cards out let's just lay the cards out and look at them god's not clucking Uh-uh-uh. he's not no let's just be honest lemon how's your personal prayer life? How is your family prayer life let's just be honest if the personal prayer life is is non existent or struggling. Then it's probably not happening in the family. Just get the cards out. Where where, where does prayer take root and hold? Look, it's struggling in my life. And so, you know where by default it's struggling? In my family. How's our church prayer focus? Say, well, how much time have we spent praying today? Be honest. But beyond honesty, let's let's respond. Let's confess the sin of our self-reliance. I I had a quote written by a guy that I was going to read. The book's in my office, so I can't read the quote. But the bottom line was that in freedom in America, we don't need God. That doesn't mean we don't need Him. I'm saying we don't feel that we need God because we've got everything we need. Let's confess the sin of our self-reliance. Let's confess the sin of our independence and let's declare our absolute and total dependence on the One who loves us and gave Himself for us if we're going to navigate this life according to His will. Let's confess that. A sin, and then let's confess Him as Lord needed. Every minute of every day. And then let's just get back on our knees. That morning, noon, at night? I, 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 whatever. Let's put it on the, on the docket. If we don't have room in our calendar... Well, let's just start moving stuff. It is the strategy that apart from our armor will not keep us. The armor will work if we're listening to the general, if we're following Him and relying upon His instructions. I wasn't trying to beat you up today. I have no right to beat you up because I struggle with you. But what what would it look like? What would it look like if all of us in this room today decided that prayer was going to take a new role in us? I'll tell you what it looked like. It looked like a mad enemy. That's what it's going to look like. Mad, powerful, coming at us in ways we might not have had him come at us before. if he hadn't been coming at us, maybe we hadn't been all that much of a threat to him anyway. So yes, let's put our armor on, but more than that, let's recognize where our power comes from. Let's make a place for prayer in all areas of our life. Starting now. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. I know that some folks aren't able to to move about, and and, and this ain't a gimmick, okay? I just want to give you an opportunity. I'm gonna pray. If the altar is somewhere you'd like to pray, then I invite you to come spend some time. Maybe grab a brother or sister, say, "Come on, you pray with me," or, or maybe just making an altar out of the chairs you got. I don't know. Or where are you sitting? Bottom line is. We need to respond and respond obedient. So let's pray. Father, I know that um, that you hear us. You say it time and time again in your word and we know you hear us. And, And God, it's, it's way easier for me to pray with a microphone and a roll. You know me. You know my heart. You know the struggle. And it's hard. It's hard to be consistent in prayer. But without it, God, Your Word has clearly said We're sitting ducks. We can think we've got our armor on and it'll be backwards if we're not listening to You. Father, I want to ask that You will help me to make time for You in times of the day that have been devoted to what I want or what I think I should be doing. I need You. I'm in total dependence on You because of what You said. God, I want to live like that. I want my family to know just how dependent we are on You. I don't want this church to know just how dependent we are on you may prayer be more visible and evident may it be more of a of, of a, a consuming desire that we have we might know your will and and follow your will and and and, and, and be in the in, in the in the place that you've called us to be not what we want. What you want. God, I lift to you the Schultzes in Alaska. I pray that you would strengthen them. That you would guard them. That you would use them. They would be confident in your, confident in your presence. I pray for the Gibsons in Portugal. I'd make straight their path. Strengthen their their bodies and their minds as they raise those girls and, and as they communicate the gospel. To the people there in Portugal. Father, I pray for the mission as they seek to meet needs of those that are hurting in our community. I pray for life choice as they're trying to speak truth and hope to those that are that are just in a very scary place and, and God they're doing All they can do to try to help them see life and its importance. Father, I want to lift these families, these daddies to you that I know probably struggle exactly like I do. God, I pray that you will help us to see just how unfit we are to lead apart from complete dependence on you. Father, I pray for these mothers that you'll give them the strength that when necessary, when daddy's forgotten, when he's not doing what you've called us to do, that they might with gentleness encourage us back to the altar. I pray for these kids, God, that that, that are struggling with, with things that I, I don't I never even wrestled with in part that they're dealing with and and and, and how they're identifying themselves and, and, and how they're thinking about how life should work. God, I pray that You would draw them back to truth, to Yourself, that we might lead an example. we we'll show them where they can follow. God, I pray that You would draw them to Yourself. There's lost people in this community all around us. You know where they are, and I ask that you would show us the way to them. We might effectively communicate your love so that we might communicate your gospel. We know these are are dark days, We, we know these are challenging times for the American norm. We know that the enemy is at work. We know that he's driving wedges between all types of people. We get it. May we never be reliant or hopeful in anything but Christ. No government will ever do what you alone can do. God, give us a singular, singular responsibility. To represent you. May we do that with boldness. Perseverance. May we do that at all times. God, we look forward to what you're going to do. Thank you for what you've already done. We ask that you will help us to stand in our time till your Son returns. Pray these things in his powerful undeniable absolute holy name our Lord, our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ it's in his name all says.